This is a Rooster Teeth production. In the late 1960s and early 1970s, an unknown man killed at least five people in Northern California. In his last letter to police, he claimed to have killed 37 people. Despite years of communication with both police and newspapers, he was never caught and his identity was never confirmed. Today, we are going to dive into the case of the Zodiac Killer. This is Red Web. This is big. This is a big one. I'm excited for this one, Fredo. And you know why. Even I've heard of this one. There's a movie about (laughs) it and everything. Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr. It's in my hometown as well. It's in your hometown of San Francisco. Everybody, that's Alfredo Diaz. I'm Trevor Collins. Every week we explore a different unsolved mystery from the internet, from the world and beyond. Sometimes, Sometimes a little bit of the aliens slip in there, you know? Sometimes the cryptids. Yeah, sometimes we get real crazy and fun with it. But man, (laughs) I'm excited for this one. I'll be honest. Sometimes I get a little butterflies. I get a little nervous when I record this show. But this one, I'm like, I'm giddy. I'm a little nervous, a little like giddy for this one because it's it's so fascinating. And just like all of the pieces of evidence, the stories, the eyewitness accounts, the suspects, the Mm -hmm. way everything unfolds, it's so frustratingly titillizing with how close you get. And and honestly, you shout out the movie. I encourage you, if you haven't seen the movie, oh. to watch it after listening to all of this because the movie wraps in all the real world details really well. Oh, that might be my watch tonight. Yeah, it basically puts you in a position where you are living alongside of an actual writer who did write a book about this. We'll get into that later, but you're you're living this case by way of the movie and they do a fantastic job at kind of kind of filling in the gaps that we don't know yeah. and getting you involved in the case. Man. It's a big one. This is a big one. And I'll tell you what, you're gonna feel frustrated by it. But oh, uh no. oh no. Ooh. In all the right ways, I'm guessing. All the right ways, man. Uh you know, so what we're gonna do, there's a there's a lot here. So we're gonna go through the confirmed cases attributed by police reports to the Zodiac killer. And then from that, we're gonna swing into the various ways that He contacted newspapers and police, some of the letters that he gave, some of the ciphers, as you might have heard of. Right. And then uh, any recent developments, because they're, ooh. Yeah, there have been some, right? Oh, yeah. We've got some recent developments, and it's been a long time since anything about this case is opened up. This is 2020 Mm -hmm. now, and uh, yeah, something just popped just recently. Yeah. Here's my thing. Holy hell. That's a lot of people that this person has, um, yeah, you know, claimed taken life from. Uh, that's a little wild, very terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe the person was consistently, constantly talking with the police and didn't get caught like during those moments. Like, I don't know. I've known of this. I saw the movie when I was super young. Um, so I am really, I don't, I don't know much. I'm yeah. going to go into this not knowing anything. I'll be curious if you know any of these neighborhoods or any of these areas. Uh, I know San Francisco is a big area, <laughs> but like I, this is going to be a bit spooky, you know, like to hear about these in your old stomping. Yeah. Place. I mean, I'm 31. I've spent 25 years there. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this one, okay, man. Let's start diving in. Obviously, we're gonna close this out with the key suspects, but let's start with the confirmed cases. So December 20th, 1968, this is the first instance of the Zodiac Killer at Lake Herman Road. A young couple, Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday, were on their first official date. They drove to a popular spot, the Lover's Lane at Lake Herman Road, and they arrived at about 10.15 p.m. And at 11 p.m., 45 minutes later, their bodies were found by someone who lived nearby named Stella Ferguson. Because Faraday had issues with a drug dealer, police temporarily considered the, the idea that a dealer was the suspect, that there, something went down with that, but decided eventually that it was not connected. Police also considered Jensen's ex-boyfriend, but he had an alibi for that night. There were no trails to follow after that. Now, flash forward about half a year to July 4th of 1969. Blue Rock Springs. Darlene Farron and Michael Majot parked in Blue Rock Springs parking lot before midnight, just before midnight. Another car happened to park up alongside them before immediately driving away. Just 10 minutes later, the same car then came back around and parked right behind them and someone got out of the vehicle. The couple thought this might be a police officer that was approaching to see what was going on, so they noticed they approached the side window, which also kind of said, hey, maybe this is a police officer. They pointed a bright light into the car at Darlene and Michael's eyes, and then the Zodiac shot them five times and shot two more times upon hearing Michael's cries. At 12.40 a.m., July 5th, Zodiac called the Vallejo Police Department to report and confess to the crime in a monotone voice, saying this, I want to report a murder. If you will go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, you will find kids in a brown car. They were shot by a 9mm Luger. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. End Ooh. quote. Ooh, that is... Intense, man. Very intense. Very also Vallejo, dark. Bay Area. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So the person's not just in San Francisco. He's working his way around the bay. Yep. All right. This weapon of choice so far from hearing this is a pistol. Got a nine mil Luger. Yep. Damn, dude. That is the balls on this person to yeah. call the police and say and, and say this is me go get him this is and, and then then also confess to another murder that absolutely. happened absolutely it's almost oh. like and I'm, I'm so glad you picked up on that because it is going to be an interesting note to come back to it's almost like they were upset and i i know i'm putting emotions into this uh they had monotone voice or whatever but it's almost like they were upset that no one like no one figured out yeah. the other the other crime right? and i'm setting like, up a pattern here because this will be a pattern like you didn't catch my work um, a while ago. Mm -hmm. I did, I'm, you know, here I am doing it again. Yeah. Also, that other, that other unsolved case was me. Yeah. Wow. Don't be looking at someone's ex-boyfriend. Don't be looking at, you know, a drug dealer. Stop throwing the credit away. That oh was me. God. Uh, but they, but he just said those kids last year. So it could, you know, it likely. Okay, he's, we're connecting the dots. But more on this will evolve very soon, actually. The call that he placed was traced to a gas station not even a mile from Betty Lou's home a few blocks away from the police station. Betty Lou, again, being the uh, young woman from the initial instance, right? The initial murder. Mm -hmm. Luckily, in this instance, Michael actually survived the attack and was able to provide a description of the killer. And this might be perhaps why... Uh, 
why the killer was so cocky about it, right? Uh, he thought he might have gotten away with it scot-free. He's using a payphone at a gas station almost to maybe antagonize, and off he goes. But he describes the man as stocky, maybe 5'8", about 200 pounds, short, curly, light brown hair with a large face aged about 26 to 30 years old. That's a lot of info. A lot of info. Good info. Especially at night with a flashlight in your face and a gun in your face, I suppose. So he survived? So he survived, yes. Wow. Yeah, he's actually, um, I believe he's still alive today. Uh, He gave an interview in the early 2000s regarding things. So that is the second case of the Zodiac Killer. The next one that is confirmed to be them happened on September 27th, 1969 at Lake Berryessa. While picnicking at Lake Berryessa around 6.30 p.m., Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were approached by a man wearing an executioner's hood and pointing a gun. I believe this was a man that they actually saw watching them from afar nearby a tree who then put this hood on and approached them with a gun. He also wore a clip-on pair of sunglasses and a bib with a crossed circle, kind of like a crosshair, on his chest. He told the couple that he was an escaped convict who needed their money and car. They had thought that they were just being robbed, but the Zodiac stabbed them both. On the victim's car, this is where it gets extra disturbing, about 500 yards away, the Zodiac drew the crossed circle from his uh, bib and wrote this, Vallejo, 122068, 7469, September 2769630, by knife. Now, this is essentially a letter to the Vallejo Police Department, or at least the area, saying these two dates, the previous two crimes, I should clarify, as well as this one, are all by the same person, by this individual. Yeah. And and he's clarifying that this particular murder happened at 6.30 and by knife. And that's where you see a little bit of that um, that ego or whatever you want to call that, that demented personality where they're basically flexing what they've done here. This kind of also seems to me like they're really trying to test the waters. Oh, yeah. Different weapons, um, different ways of communicating to the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, oh, man, this is. A little terrifying, to be honest. It's, it's extraordinarily sick. terrifying. I couldn't imagine living in this area during this time period. And not to get too far ahead of myself, but he was like, in letters eventually that he put out, he was basically saying that he's patrolling the streets at night. He's basically going around the city waiting for people to be isolated. So you have to imagine that this is a very unsettling time to be a San Franciscan or yeah, in the Bay Area in part general. part of the Bay Area, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But so far, we're only on the third confirmed case of this gentleman. And he's, like you said, he's pushing the boundaries. Uh, on the first one, he go- he ghosts. On the second one, he calls in. On this one, he's riding on the hood of the car. Ugh. The same day, 7.40 p.m., to build on this showmanship or whatever, this demented personality, Zodiac called the Napa County Sheriff's Office saying this, quote, I want to report a murder. No, a double murder. They are two miles north of Park Headquarters. They were in a white Volkswagen Carmen Ghia, end quote. And when asked where he was located, the Zodiac's monotone voice kind of faded away as he was hanging up and said, I'm the one who did it. And he puts down the phone and hangs up. The call was traced to a payphone just a few blocks away from the sheriff's office. So again, 
He's calling them from just around the corner. This guy is like, this guy's getting something out of this, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Also, can you imagine the pressure that the police department is is feeling and that's building up right now? Like Absolutely. On their backs? Like, whoo-wee, man. Absolutely. You, just knowing that this is going to, and again, over the course of this, and we're going to get into this in more detail, but there are uh, letters coming in to the police department, talking them, to them directly, talking to the newspapers directly, uh, kind of throughout this time. Dude, it's uh, a threatening It's a things. big show. It's There's, a big yeah, show. It's a big old show. And they know something else is going to happen. They don't know how to get to them. Yeah. Very stressful time. My goodness, I'm gonna have to watch this movie tonight. <laughs> I got I'm, I'm saying, man, the movie. I, I haven't seen it in a long time, and this isn't this isn't sponsored by the movie or whatever. But no, not at all. It but does like, a this is great, so intriguing. Yeah, it does a great job at putting you in this environment of the police officers and their stress of the uh, journalist who is running around and trying to connect the dots. Again, we'll kind of touch on him a little bit later in the uh, suspects area of the podcast, but. Anyway, going back to Cecilia and Brian here, when police found them, Cecilia was still alive and gave a description of the killer. However, unfortunately, she passed away in hospital just a few days later. Brian did survive the attack and he was actually able to provide the story and the description of the killer as well. And that's how we have most of the details of this story that we have today is Wait, thanks to Brian. So when the Zodiac killer Mm -hmm. was calling the police station or contacting the authorities. Yes. Was he saying that he killed these people? He said he wanted to report a murder and then clarified. He goes, no, wait, a double murder. I want you to know that this is a two-time murder, that two yeah, people happened in this one. It's also very interesting because people are surviving like these attacks. Yes, he's not confirming. He's not sticking yeah. around. No, not at all. And it he very well easily could, you know what I mean? None of these, um, none of these like locations, they like, they're very isolated. So it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like there's any, I don't know, urgency to, to, to just leave. Right. So despite right? the care that he seems to be exhibiting in whatever sort of preparation or whatever premeditations going on, right. To not get caught, there is less care on the other side of the act with following up to see if it was fulfilled or whatever. Yeah, to follow up and make sure that it's a, it's a kill. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, It wow, could be a okay. smart move to flee the scene ASAP or this guy's just so full of himself that he's like, nah, I'll let them just bleed out here in the middle of this park where no one will find them. Or maybe he doesn't care. It's more just for the, you know, the fanfare. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, it's not like he's waiting super long to call the police. No, not at all. But yeah, you know, thankfully, uh, a few individuals up until this point have survived. And that is where the descriptions up until this point have come from. Because without that, without Brian surviving this one, without Cecilia surviving for at least a few days, unfortunately right, there. Um, but also Michael in the previous instance. Now we're starting to actually get a little bit of tangible evidence here as to who this entity is, right? Who this person mm -hmm. is uh, and what they're all about. And and we're, we're seeing more of, like you're saying, the showmanship. He's coming up with a, a, an executor's hood and he's got the hid with his like, okay, that symbol, that kind of crosshair symbol. Yeah, I was about to say, how, how do we know about the executioner hood and all that kind of stuff? And mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking tangible stuff as, as you know, as co-director of this task force. <laughs> I'm the director that likes the tangible 
uh, stuff on the table. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, don't be coming to me without something I can I can grasp, get my hands on. Damn. And that symbol, I should say, this I believe is the first time that we've really seen it. Right? It's on his uh, bib or this right. little getup he's got. He's drawn it on the car. And just to envision it, it's a it's a circle with essentially an X through it, right? An upright X, so it's kind of like a cross. Uh, like a crosshair. And that is the symbol that will become synonymous with the Zodiac Killer. It's what he will sign his letters with and everything from this point on. But to the next case now, the the fifth confirmed victim, I should say, out of the 37 claimed victims that he ultimately claims he had. This is the fifth victim now. So. October 11th, 1969, in Presidio Heights. Paul Stein, a taxi driver, was driving his passenger to the destination at the intersection of Washington and Maple Street in Presidio Heights, a neighborhood of San Francisco. However, for unknown reasons, the passenger shot Paul in the head at Washington and Cherry. A young witness in a house across the street saw the entire incident and police believed this to be a robbery. She called the police and other witnesses saw the killer wiping up blood with the victim's shirt and provided a description of the man. Now I want to go ahead and earmark this piece. This perpetrator here was wiping up the blood with the victim's shirt, because this will come back around. But the description here was very similar to the earlier descriptions of the Zodiac Killer. It was white, age a little older this time, 35 to 45, heavy built, glasses, reddish brown hair, crew cut, and either a navy blue or a black jacket. Now this is the description that led to the famous police sketch that you might be familiar with of the Zodiac Killer. The one with the thick black frame glasses, the bigger forehead with the crew cut, the one that has been circulating around and if you search Zodiac Killer, that's the one you're going to be seeing. Mm -hmm. This is the instance that that picture comes from. My gut instinct at the top of reading the details of this incident for the first time was that if this isn't the killer, then that could be a false lead, you know? Uh, if this is uh, some sort of copycat or someone who mm-hmm. happens to just be another, you know, murderer in the area, another criminal in the in the area, that this could just get a mixed up sort of Yeah, situation. and the description is different from the previous description that we've talked about earlier it's so. it's mostly similar in the sense that it's uh it's brownish hair uh this yeah, one adds reddish in there it's the heavy builts the glasses but the difference yeah being the age did they mention height they didn't mention height in this one at least not okay. in my notes here okay but here's the really unfortunate part and man does <laughs> man does this frustrate me to no end the police when going to the scene, passed by a person that matched this very description, but did not stop him, as he did not match the description that was given to them by the police dispatcher who told them to look for an African-American adult male. I don't know where the mix-up came from. I don't know if it's like a level of historical racism, but it is frustrating no end that they walked by somebody that matched this exact thing. Get the guy is flaunting it now. Out of here. And off he goes because he because he was a white man. Uh, and he and they were told by the dispatcher specifically to look for an African-American adult male. Come on. Come on. It's as a person just, of color, that's frustrating. As 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 somebody who just likes living, that's frustrating. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, 
Uh, it's, right. it's frustrating on so All many right. levels. Um, but that concludes the unfortunate uh, end to Paul Stein's life here. And that also concludes the fifth confirmed Zodiac kill. As I mentioned before, he's claiming that he's killed upwards of 37 people. But these are the ones that police have verified per their investigations as mm-hmm. the Zodiacs. Okay, because so. I was going to ask without getting too ahead of it or spoiling things like... Mm-hmm. Uh, do we do the police know of these 37 is it confirmed all that kind of stuff i think i believe we're going to touch into that a little bit but um up into this point we don't know who those 37 could be they could be in my mind i'm just kind of spitballing here they could be various individuals who don't have anybody who know who they are so if they disappeared they wouldn't have anybody to notice they could be anybody who was homeless or on the move in some way basically anybody without a paper trail Because as I will kind of go into in this next section, uh, the Zodiac clearly sat around waiting for people to kind of just be alone, usually at night, but sometimes, as you noticed here in these other cases, in the evening time. Yeah, that's crazy. So let's go ahead and dive into, on that note, the various ways and various instances that the Zodiac contacted police and newspapers. So... Three different Bay Area newspapers had received letters from the supposed Zodiac on August 1st of 1969. They were each nearly identical and all handwritten. In the letters, the writer took credit for the murders at Lake Herman and Blue Rock Springs, providing details, and each of them got a third of a cryptogram. Now, to clarify, they didn't each get a different part of a cryptogram. They all got the same one third of a cipher. Uh, meaning that they all had the same unfinished message that was coded. Mm -hmm. The letter said that it was a cryptogram that gave his identity. So now they're like, okay, cool. Uh, We have a code that we can decipher and figure out who this guy is. The writer ended the letter with a threat. Now I'm gonna read that now, but I'm gonna read it exactly as it's written. But I want you to know that there's a few very subtle typos in here. Whether they're intentional or not, I kind of... uh, expand on that later when I'm theorizing here, but let's get into it. In the letter, he says, quote, if you do not print this cipher by the afternoon of Fry, 1st of Aug 6-9, I will go on a kill rampage Fry night. I will cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend, end quote. It was signed with the same crosshair symbol and every letter after that would also be signed with that very same Zodiac symbol that I mentioned earlier. What a mad person. Extraordinarily what a, what, mad. What, how, do you, how do you even do that? Print my note, he doth declaimed. <laughs> but even then, even then, how do you just go around doing that? I would mm-hmm. assume the whole entire task force... California. There's got to be at least 15 magnifying (laughs) glasses out at this point. God. (laughs) Like, okay. So Friday was abbreviated to Fry. F-R-Y, not I, until was spelled with an extra L at the end and Cruz was missing an I. Now that's very detailed in the weeds information that I'm going to just kind of put out there for you to earmark mentally. Uh, I'll kind of draw back on that as it becomes a little bit more relevant later on. So, moving on, all three newspapers published, according to his demands, their third of the cryptogram, with the editor of the Chronicle in particular writing that he didn't believe that this was actually the murderer. 
And in response to the editor's disbelief, the killer sent a letter directly to that editor named Jack E. Stiltz, saying this, quote, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. In answer to your asking about the good times I had in Vallejo, I shall be very happy to supply even more material. End quote. It's worth noting here that this is the first instance of the killer's infamous name, calling himself the Zodiac. So up until this point, he was just the symbol. I'm not even sure really how newspapers had reported on him up until this point, but here to forth, he's named the Zodiac. It contained information, by the way, this, this letter to the editor, it contained information on murders not yet available to the public, information that only the killer could know, and it took issue, actually, with how the police was reporting these crimes. And uh, many people tried to solve the cryptogram, and I should say that this cryptogram in particular was dubbed Z408, and that's from Z from Zodiac, and 408 from how many characters were in this particular cryptogram. Uh, and this is like so many things. Um, first off, yeah, this person loves the spotlight, loves the attention, mm -hmm. wants complete and full credit for everything that they're doing. Also, sick. Just absolutely disgusting. Extraordinarily like, demented. The, the fun absolutely. times that I've had in Vallejo. Why? My, my God. Yeah, it, it's it's um, gut-wrenching to, to no end. To, to think about the police walking by somebody who matches the description. It's gut-wrenching to hear how this individual talks to the police in newspapers. It's a wild case. If I'm honest, as excited as I am about the information within this case, it's it's extraordinarily sick. It's fr And again, I said it's, it's frustrating at many, many different levels, and it's only going to get more frustrating from here. I see why this is like a very iconic um, type of mystery, because mm -hmm. there's just so much. There's so much yep. to it. So many things that you think would lead somewhere, or or you you would think you would wager have to end the this solve, right? It has right. to point yeah. right to somebody, right? Where's where's exactly. the red hand? Um, there's just so much communication. Like this is where you know usually we have a lot of our mysteries, and you know who maybe this person did it, maybe you know we don't know who did what, or you know maybe we didn't hear anything, or maybe a little bit. But this is just we're just having complete. Full-on conversations with the person that is right. dealing out these uh, murders. Yeah, there's no cold ends here. Like these are these are ongoing conversations. Hey, you don't think I did it? Boom! Here's another letter, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, come on. I and I know that this is the late '60s, and I know even today, if you were to use snail mail, it's not necessarily trackable. Um, not at least down to the who did it, because you can like put it in a Dropbox or whatever. But I would struggle today to to think of any any way to contact somebody without it somehow coming back to me, right? Just especially with forensics, but that's a, that's another one of those layers that like, right. you know, you just hope that you never have a case like this again because of the, you know, the evolution of science and, and forensics as a as a field. Yeah, I, that's, it, that's kind of interesting, right? Because you think with the advancement of technology, doing something like this would seem utterly impossible to accomplish during mm -hmm. these times but you also have to think on the flip end there's advancements in right in criminal like, tech i guess in criminal tech and oh, bio weapons it just it's, yeah it's right we're fighting new things right people are running around the 60s 70s with guns and knives and stuff and who knows right and like, now we have to deal with cyber attacks and all that kind of stuff so mm -hmm. just there's you know 
There's the advancement, you know. Yeah. Well, when it comes to Z408, this uh, mysterious cryptogram here, thankfully, not too long after this was published in newspapers on August 1st, on August 8th of 1969, Donald and Betty Hardin cracked this code. However, it did not provide the identifying information that he said it would. It only included musings on a man being the most dangerous game. And that, uh, and that those he killed would be his slaves in the afterlife. It has this within the letter. It says, quote, I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. Blah, 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 blah. End quote. There's about 15 or 16 letters at the end of this. Many theorize that this, and I'm, I'm just going to spell it out for those of you with a notebook at home, curious. E-B-E-O-R-I-E-T-E-M-E-T-H-H-P-I-T-I. It ends with meth pit, which is kind of uh, fitting because this dude must be a meth head. He, he seems like a crazy dude. But people theorize that there's something hidden in that kind of gibberish at the end. Yeah. But that has still yet to be solved, whatever that is. And no one is sure what those mean. But yeah, now he's basically stating his motive here. He has some sort of twisted mind that thinks, if I kill somebody, they will be my servant in the afterlife. And that's what he's after. And he also talks about a book in this letter about, again, the most dangerous game being men, uh, being humans. That's a, that's a note worth earmarking for later on. Yeah, this, this person getting is just getting scarier and scarier. It's, uh, yeah. So now... Later on in the year, October 14th, 1969, just two days after the unfortunate murder of Paul Stein, the Chronicle received a letter threatening to kill a school bus full of children. Included with the letter were bloody pieces of Stein's shirt. As you recall, the person seen at the scene who killed Paul cleaned up the mess with the victim's shirt. And now we have pieces of this bloody shirt in hand at the police station. Stein, if you recall, was the taxi driver and witnesses saw the man cleaning up the scene with the victim, Paul's shirt. So now we uh, can look back on that instant and kind of reflect, okay, I think that is a confirmed Zodiac kill. And that's where the police say, yep, officially, we are going to uh, put that under the Zodiac file. To me, there's still opportunity left in the air for this to perhaps be a copycat. Again, I'll dive more into the into my theory on that later on. Interesting, because I mean, it seems pretty clean cut, you know what I mean? It does, I mean, it, the so the description, so here's what we have to connect it to the other ones so far. We have a similar description. We have the shirt showing up with a letter, again, claiming to be the Zodiac. And now, if it's different handwriting, I'm sure they would written it off. But anybody could write a letter and anybody can kind of pull a gun on somebody. Again, I don't want to dive too deep into this theory because I don't think... I'm just saying that there is still a slim chance, a slim opportunity through here for a copycat to slip through. Because, again, I'll capitalize on that in the suspects section. Because there are a couple uh, frustrating loose ends when it comes to the suspects. I hate to be cryptic, but we'll get there. So anyway... Now on October 20th, six days after the uh, the shirt arrived at the, or at the Chronicle, I should clarify, that threat uh, as well for the school children. Six days later, October 20th, someone called the Oakland Police Department saying they were the Zodiac. 
They told police they wanted to see famous lawyers F. Lee Bailey and Melvin Belly on AM San Francisco. Belly was actually able to appear and someone claiming to be the Zodiac called into the show while they were on. And during the show, the caller said, quote, I need help. I'm sick. I do not want to go into the gas chamber, end quote. Belly offered to help and to meet the Zodiac in public. And of course, upon going to the agreed upon area, no one arrived. Flash forward a few more weeks on, on November 8th, 1969, the Zodiac sent a greeting card that contained the Z340 cipher. So this Z34 cipher is something we're going to dive into in just a few minutes here. But uh, again, another piece worth earmarking. On November 9th, the next day, he sent another letter claiming he spoke to police after Stein's murder and mocked them for not catching him. The letter also contained a formula and a hand-drawn diagram for a fertilizer bomb. So now, uh, this is the first instance that bombs have been brought up. None of these situations, I mean, he did threaten, right, to uh, to kill a school bus full of children, right? perhaps with a bomb or not, but up until this point, none of these cases involved bombs. And so I'm sure the police are scrambling now, terrified that, yeah. uh, that there's children gonna be some sort of bomb in play now, especially with children. So he's putting the fear on hard right now. So the Zodiac continued to send more letters with similar threats, uh, descriptions of their thoughts, and taunting the law enforcement for not catching him. On April 20th, 1970, so it's been a handful of months by this point, Zodiac sent the Chronicle a letter asking if anyone had solved Z340. He included one more cipher that would supposedly give his name. This cipher was 13 characters long. We're gonna call that Z13, just to keep with the nomenclature. But this presumes that his name is 13 characters long, which again, will come back in the suspects section. On June 26, 1970, a few months later still, Zodiac sent a letter to the Chronicle with a map of Mount Diablo and his last cipher. Z32. And instead of cardinal directions on this map, he had north as 0, east as 3, south as 6, and west as 9. And looking at this map, uh, I think it also came with another note for you math mathematicians out there. He indicated that these numbers were in reference to radians. Uh, which is a nerdy math way of saying degrees, right? If the cardinal directions were at 0, 90, 180, 270, again, and 360, right? Going around, listen, I'm getting very math, but essentially if, uh, if you looked at a, uh, north would be at 90 degrees, west would be at 180 degrees and come back around. You know what I mean? Are you following me, Fredo? Yeah, yeah, you get, yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm- into the I'm, weeds here, but yeah, I'm yeah. getting into the weeds, I'm glossing <laughs> through it. But basically, he's implying that the cardinal directions were converted to radians, which is a, a, a different way to say degrees. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. Just oversimplify it. And that's why he took out north, south, east, and west and replaced it with numbers. It doesn't really matter because ultimately no one really solved what was going on with this map. This Z32 cipher has yet to be solved, and it is still unknown as to how Mount Diablo is involved with the killings. And maybe this map had a bomb located somewhere. Maybe it had a victim located somewhere. But uh, that's something we'll never know. And I think, as confusing as these radiance things sound right now, imagine 
trying to solve this now, you know? Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, he sent more letters up until 1974, where he claimed to have killed a total of 37 people, but at this point, there's no evidence of these other 32 people. Again, the police maintain these five confirmed victims as being the Zodiac Killer. And that's that's everything we knew <laughs> about the Zodiac Killer. Uh, all the messages, all the ciphers, um, wow. the map remaining unsolved. Most of the ciphers outside of cipher Z408 are all unsolved. That is, until 12 days ago as of recording this episode Damn. on December 5th, 2020, 51 years after it was sent, finally, Z340, the cipher, was finally solved by three private code breakers. I'm sure everybody's heard about this in the news. It's breaking news. Everybody is excited about it. We're all thinking we're going to learn something. We're going to learn the identity, and we'll get into what uh, was contained within this cipher. But the code breakers were Sam Blake, David Orenchik, and Jarl van Ike. Blake supplied 650,000 variations of reading the directions of this cipher into a program called AZ Decrypt that was written by Van Ike. The three had been trying to break codes written by the Zodiac for many, many years, and this current iteration, figuring out uh, these 650,000 variations, took months. Um, and so just to kind of expand upon that, not only were they trying to decipher this code from left to right, but they were trying to decipher it diagonally, up and down, and all the different variations that you could possibly pull this apart and reorganize it into a, a message. And that's how they went about trying to crack this code. Damn. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's quite thorough. Very thorough. And that's why the, the whatever the program took months. But in reviewing what the program deciphered, only one like Doctor Strange, only one of the 650,000 variations included phrases or phrases of any meaning. Each of those phrases here, I'll just read them out. There's three different ones here. One was, hope you are. Another was, trying to catch me. And the third one was, or the gas chamber. Now that's a callback to the TV station where the caller who said they were the Zodiac uh, said something of the gas chamber. Whew, the Zodiac, man. It's so intriguing, so dark, so eerie, so unsettling. I hope you've enjoyed the details thus far because it's only going to get crazier on the other side of this. But a couple quick housekeeping notes. Thank you guys for listening and, and enjoying the show and spreading it uh, by way of word of mouth. Appreciate you all. If you want to support the show directly, of course, you can go to store.roosterteeth.com. We got some red web merch in there for you. Coffee mug, shirt, the whole business. With that said, we are sponsored today by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers 23-plus recipes each week, featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so you'll never get bored of what you're getting. Eating healthier has never been easier with low-cal, carb-smart, vegetarian, and pescatarian options every week. And no matter what you choose, every single recipe is packed with fresh produce sourced directly from farmers. 
HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences. You can skip a week whenever you want. And HelloFresh's Easy Eats offering has tons of quick and easy meal solutions. Perfect for your busy schedule. Personally, I like the buffalo spice chicken with the blues cheese recipe. My favorite part is that it all comes together compartmentalized with everything you need, easy to read recipes with pictures to follow so you can you can feel like a chef in the kitchen, impress that girlfriend or boyfriend of yours, whoever you're trying to impress, maybe the parents for the holidays, who knows. But hey, it's been a joy, a treat. I uh, I have some left over for lunches later on, which is super convenient when I work from home, and they're always tasty. So I feel satisfied, not only as an up-and-coming chef, but also satiated as someone who likes to eat. So go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb10 and use code RedWeb10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's 10 free meals by going to HelloFresh.com slash redweb one zero and use code redweb10. Today's episode of Red Web is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, languages, business, motivation, and more like original entertainment and now podcasts. They've recently launched their new plan, Audible Plus. With Audible Plus, you get full access to their Plus catalog, which is filled with thousands and thousands of select originals, audiobooks, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of popular shows as well as exclusive series. Now is the best time to try Audible Plus because with their holiday offer, you are getting their best offer of the year, only $4.95 a month. For your first six months. That's incredible. $4.95 a month for your first six months. And after your first six months, it's still only $7.95 a month to download and stream thousands of all you can listen, audiobooks, originals, and podcasts included in the Audible Plus plan. I've used Audible to listen to anything from the Game of Thrones series to a bunch of Stephen King novels when I was on my horror novel kick. Not the Game of Thrones is horror, but you know, I got a wide array of, uh, of audiobooks that I like to listen to while I'm working out. I also did a lot of Michael Crichton books. You've heard me talk about that probably on a different podcast called Off Topic. Little nod there. But yeah, it's a fantastic service. I like to kick on an audiobook while I'm working out. It makes it super easy to get that listening in while you're doing the business of getting that exercise in. So visit audible.com slash redweb or text redweb to 500-500. Again, visit audible.com slash redweb or text redweb to 500-500 today. So they have these phrases. They feel like they started to crack it. Now, they took the original cipher of Z340 and they split it into three sections so they could kind of focus on each section at a time. They split the first section in a way that had one, at least one of each of the unique symbols from across the cipher. So for example, uh, ABCD would be four different characters. He has all these different symbols in addition to letters and backwards letters and numbers. And there were 63 total unique symbols, all contained now within this first section. And what that was basically enabling them to do was for them to figure out what each symbol stood for. Mm -hmm. So that way they could more easily figure out the rest of the puzzle. That's kind of super simplifying a very complex process of decrypting something like this. But they did that for the first section, then they ran that code that they developed on the following two sections, and they still didn't solve it entirely 
but they were able to grab the word paradise, spelled backwards in the third section. Again, another misspelling, which is interesting. Paradise spelled with a C at the end there instead of an S. And, and we've noticed now up until this point that the Zodiac has had misspellings throughout their letters as well as throughout their ciphers. And to me, I don't know if that is an accident or if that is a way to make it more difficult to solve the puzzle. Now think Price is Right style. If the word was paradise and they had an R, a D, and a C up there, you're going to have a tough time trying to figure out that right. it's actually the word paradise. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I've been thinking this whole time. I don't know the extent of this person's intelligence, right? We're sitting here mm -hmm. going, the way they're wording things is weird, and they're talking about afterlife stuff, and they're mm -hmm. misspelling things, but this could all be very uh, intentional. Yeah, it could be intentional. I think Obfuscate is essentially the name of the game for this guy, because in a lot of different ways, he's got a cipher that's obfuscating the message. He's now, and I'll get more into the details again, he's reoriented his cipher between the 408 and the 340. So that way, yes, they were similar looking, but in order to decode 340, he made it so it read at a diagonal as opposed to left from right. Because 408 was able to be deciphered within the week. And so he's like, well, that was too easy. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna scramble it. And, and then beyond that, he's got mis misspellings, whether it's accidental or on purpose, it just continues to bury what's going on here. In addition to the fact that obviously he's kind of obscuring who he is and by using payphones and yada yada. But anyway, we've gotten deep into the weeds on how this was solved. Let's go ahead and just dive into what the message finally came out to be. They sent it to the FBI. The FBI had their cryptographer look at it and they only changed one part, but otherwise they verified the solve. So I'm gonna read what this uh, Z340 ended up saying. It says, quote, I hope you are having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they're afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. End quote. So this is where... I'm kind of, I was burying the lead and I apologize, but this is why I wanted to keep the idea floating of perhaps someone faking being the Zodiac, maybe in a way that was very good, uh, very good at faking it in a nefarious way, or, or maybe, maybe he's lying here because he's lied before, or maybe he's referring to his mental state. He's like, listen, Right. I physically called you on the TV show, but that wasn't me. That was weak me. Me that was afraid. Me crying out for help, calling myself sick. Now I understand. Now I know that I'm better off than anyone else. Regardless of any of those interpretations, it's terrifying, to say the least. To finally hear this message, it's very much in the same tone of voice that we've seen of this person. And it very much reads of someone who is... Um, Definitely not well, <laughs> but initially, all the way, the, these 51 years sitting on this cipher, it was considered to be unsolvable because of the number of errors and the amount of symbols in it and everything else. But 
you know, while it's solved, it doesn't give any answers. Not it, at all. Uh, you know, I don't know if he intended it to be solved in the immediate future, in the mid, like the midterm future, or at all. I, I don't really know what this person's after at this point. But it seems just reading something like this, it only seems to serve to frighten existing victims and their families and to scare anybody else in the area. That this person's still at large, they're saying frightening things like this, and they're not being caught. But they've stopped. But they've stopped. That's weird. So there are things that correlate to that stopping. There are okay, things. Because I was about to say that the weird, when I say it like this is weird, I was like, what would have caused said person to stop? Yeah. Is, uh, did something happen to them? Did they decide to just give up? You know, there's a lot of ways that that could go. And, uh, and again, we'll, we'll expand on that with specific individuals because some have correlations, some not so much with regard to that, at least. Now, before I close off this particular cipher, it's worth noting that many theories float around kind of thinking about these misspelled words, that perhaps these are clues within the clues, that these perhaps can be used to point to something. Or again, like that gibberish at the end of that last cipher, it could just serve to really scramble up the message. Could you imagine if you're like, if you are actually solving something, but then you come up with like KLPUYTP7, do you mm -hmm. think you're actually on the right path? Or do you think you're gonna like continue circling the wagon and be like, I, I guess I don't have it. Let's go back to the drawing board. Right. But yeah, I, I do want to finalize uh, with Z13. Again, it's yet to be unsolved. It supposedly is a cipher that contains the Zodiac's name, <sighs> but people consider it to be unsolvable because it's too short and that there's not enough characters there to read into and that there are too many possibilities but many are hopeful that a breakthrough here on the z340 could mean that there's an end in sight that maybe someday we'll be able to um figure out z13 jesus so long ago yeah so so there uh we at least have some new insights into the case a case that's been very cold up until the last two weeks ago again as we're recording this episode but without further ado, let's dive into the suspects, okay? There are three key suspects that I really want to focus on, but I'd be remiss if I didn't address some of the other people that were looked at, and I'll mention them briefly. But there otherwise is an exhaustive list, as you can imagine. People coming forward, claiming to be the Zodiac, right. uh, people blaming others for being the Zodiac. Many of those kind of were not very compelling, didn't have a lot of evidence behind them, Obviously, just a bunch of empty tips. But in the investigation, the the first suspect I want to talk about was actually the Unabomber. Ted Kaczynski was considered a suspect because he was also sending cryptograms to newspapers and was in California at the time of the Zodiac murders. But he was ruled out by DNA evidence. Now, this is where I want to say uh, they got DNA evidence by the letters. They took the saliva off the back of the stamp and were able to no. kind of pull out the DNA that way, or at least get some, some semblance of it. There were also fingerprints left at some of the scenes that investigators have used to try to compare some of these suspects to the Zodiac. So he's off the table, uh, at least in the police's mind. The next kind of light suspect, before we get into the heavy ones, were every male member of the Manson family the cult led by Charles Manson in the 1960s. Uh, they were investigated for the Zodiac murders, but ultimately they were all ruled out. Now, 
this is where, okay, now this is where I need you to strap in and plop that badge heavy on your chest because the task force is going to be coming out in full force. I kept bearing the lead. I kept teasing my personal theories because I'm just, I'm too excited to get into these parts, these three individuals right. and the twists and turns and possibilities here. I'm physically emoting a lot and you can't see me, <laughs> but here we go. The first main suspect, Lawrence Kane. Now I'm going to say the character amount of each of these individuals' names, just so we can compare it against the Z13 mm -hmm. cipher. So he has 12 characters in his name. While investigating the disappearance of a nurse named Donna Lass, who was supposedly an unconfirmed Zodiac murder, Officer Harvey Hines came across a man named Lawrence Kane. Now, it's worth noting, Kane worked at the same location as Lass, and her disappearance corresponded with Kane's move to the area near Lake Tahoe in 1970. Kane had been known to bother Donna before she disappeared, and after the accident, Lawrence Kane was actually diagnosed with impulse control disorder. Now, I know that that sounds obvious as to what that is, difficulty right. controlling urges, but also, it contains, or within that, many symptoms contain like a strong difficulty in not stating your thoughts, which to me sounds very much like this Zodiac guy. Yeah. He can't help but write these letters. Has to do to it. To call into the police, etc. Furthermore, Kane lived just blocks from where Paul Stein was murdered. And again, he was murdered near the final destination where this taxi was meant to be going. And, uh, and supposedly, you know, the Zodiac was the passenger. So maybe he was hitching a ride home and decided to pop off. I, I don't know. Uh, but in 1970, a woman named Kathleen Johns claimed she and her baby were abducted by the Zodiac after seeing the police sketch. Uh, she basically says that one day she was tricked into getting into the car to get a ride. And while kind of talking with this individual, she says that he turns to her and says, I'm going to kill you and I'm gonna throw your baby out after you. <gasps> and she's in the car with this guy. She's been talking with this guy. And uh, at a certain point when he's trying to make a turn, he has to slow down. She gets out of the car and she bolts through a nearby field. She's off. She's oh, safe. Got away. She, she got away. But she's one of the very few people who had prolonged FaceTime, a conversation with this person that uh, she claims to be the Zodiac. And what's interesting, even, even more interesting, is that after this information became public, the Zodiac sent a letter where he described a similar situation. One of his letters, he said this, So now I have a little list, starting with the woman and her baby that I gave a rather interesting ride. And then the, the message goes on. But, again, this is where my false flag hat starts to pop up. Is this the Zodiac killer? Or is this a fake? Is this a second person? It's such a famous kind of like um, murderer, right? In, mm -hmm. in case there's so many, it's just so weird to me that people want to do this, but so many people are just like, it's me, I'm the person. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, and, and that didn't come until this information became public, that, that note. I, I mean, to be fair, this could also be the actual Zodiac claiming someone else's thing. You know what I mean? This is like, this is where the case starts to get extraordinarily nebulous. Didn't when you just that. read the facts as they are on paper, you want to go boom, roasted, got him. That's it. But when you really need to think about it, when you, when you think as a police officer investigating this at the time, you start to go, but the opportunity here for the Zodiac to claim that this was them when it was someone else 
could blur the lines as to who they actually are. Again, the word obfuscation kind of comes into play. And it's it just becomes so frustrating because you feel like you have such tangible evidence. Yeah. But you really don't. You have a... a you, there's so... There's so much that's like satisfying, but at the same time, it's just... Man, we have nothing. We have mm-hmm. nothing. And it's only... And it, and it feels very satisfying now... I'm going to blow the doors off of that idea in the next couple suspects. But the reason why I bring up this case in particular, uh, not just because of the Zodiac message, but because John's actually picked out Kane himself in as her abductor in a police lineup. Kane's fingerprints, however, you know, those are the reasons why this that, that Kane is a suspect and a key suspect at that. But his fingerprints did not match that of the Zodiac. Uh, his handwriting was also said not to match that of the Zodiac, but also wasn't completely ruled out. So there's an opportunity there for it to, a middle ground, I I suppose. Mm -hmm. He matches some, but not all of the physical descriptors from the various Zodiac sightings. The main descriptors he didn't match were the, uh, the large nature. Many people describe him as stocky or largely built, whether muscular or otherwise, just a bigger guy. 200 plus pounds this uh, this cane individual was not that big yeah i mean that's something that's right like there's a ton of things in terms of like i saw i had a brief sighting of somebody that are hard to to describe but there's also very key easy features to kind of be like he was extremely tall he was extremely short they were extremely mm-hmm. large or extremely thin like right there's a bunch of like handful of things they, the color of their skin etc that are just like that's not hard to like you know, described to the authorities. Right. Well, then, then the last piece we have on him is that, you know, some of the police believe in the possibility that the Zodiac is taking responsibility for this crime without any proof. And that's kind of what I was getting at. Again, I always like to get ahead of myself, just too excitable, but <laughs> it, it's possible, man. It, it's totally possible that he's claiming other crimes around the area that are also open-ended to just kind of wipe his trail away or just keep the trail so broad you can't hone it in. But regardless of all that, Kane so far is a very, very interesting individual here. The next main suspect worth talking about is a man named Earl Von Best Jr. 13 characters in this name, kind of like the uh, Z13 cipher. Okay. Now, this man entered the fray when another man named Gary Stewart became interested in their biological father. Their research led them to believe that uh, this Earl Von Best Jr. was the Zodiac Killer. And I should clarify, Earl Von Best Jr. is the father, the biological father, through the research of uh, Gary Stewart. And in looking into this man, that's where he starts to go, wait a minute, this guy might be the Zodiac Killer. So when it comes to Earl Von Best Jr., uh, he wrote a book called The Most Dangerous Animal of All, which is very similar, if you recall, to The Most Dangerous Game, a book that was referenced by the Zodiac Killer, and it's also a book about, you know, hunting man, I believe. But also, on top of that, Von Best looks eerily similar to the police sketch of Zodiac. You can actually search this gentleman, and side by side next to that police sketch, it is oh, uncanny. That's no good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, down to the glasses, the hair, and the face, all the features. It's the only picture that Stewart had of Von Best, and it's a mugshot that he had for his arrest of his statutory rape 
for Stuart's biological mother. Again, his name fits into the Z13's cipher, so there is a possibility there. And Von Best actually has a record with the San Francisco Police Department. Stuart claims that some of this was hidden from him by the department, as if it was some sort of a cover-up. I'm not really sure what the motivation would be of a cover-up outside of kind of trying to distance themselves maybe from the Zodiac case and any sort of maybe embarrassment for not finding this person. And what's interesting here is the fingerprints are similar, both having a diagonal scar on one of the fingers. Stewart also claims that a handwriting specialist said that the handwriting from Von Bess's marriage license matches that of the handwriting in the Zodiac's mm. letters, but wrinkle, the, the handwriting from the wedding license turns out belong to the priest and not Von Best themselves. Which, I mean, unless the priest is out here doing some business, just kind of goes to say, like, handwriting ain't everything. That's what I was about to say. This person's supposed to be a handwriting expert. Yeah. He's like, matches up. Perfect, perfect match. And then they're like, well, the priest wrote it. Yeah. All right, well, about that being mm -hmm. perfect. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and <laughs> so, like, in the same vein of, of that wrinkle, you know, there's, there's a lot of names that could fit the Z13 cipher. I'm sure many listeners, upon counting the characters of their first and last name, will be very surprised to know that they might be this, the, the Zodiac Killer yeah. with 13 <laughs> letters in their name. As you can imagine, many people look like this police sketch. Police sketches can be accurate. They can be also a little bit uncanny valley. They can be a little distant from what the actual person looks like. You can look up many uh, situations where the police sketch doesn't actually line up with the person after they're caught. And the evidence overall, I would say, is primarily circumstantial for Von Best. But it is interesting. And the last note here is Gary Stewart actually offered up his DNA to the San Francisco Police Department in order to test it against that sample they have from the stamp but the police said that there's not enough evidence to really make a case for this. And Stewart says, well, this continues the police cover-up. And that's the story oh. he maintains to this day. Police cover-up? But yeah. why? Yeah, like, I don't know why. This would be such a big win for them. It could be. You know, you, you'd knock out a suspect. That seems interesting, at least. But yeah, I don't, I don't really know why the police would cover up otherwise. What they would be hiding, unless they know something we don't. But that leads us to the third and final key suspect that's worth talking about. Earl Von Best Jr. was interesting. In my opinion, I would kind of table him. Uh, I agree with the police that this might be more circumstantial. Just looking like the guy and having a scar on your finger ain't going to cut it, man. Yeah, that's not enough. But Lawrence Kane, keep him in your back pocket because that guy's interesting. And I want to kind of spin a weave, a weave a tail, I should say, after we talk about this next guy, Arthur Lee Allen, 14 characters in the name. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This next suspect is bonkers. This is this is where I mean, <laughs> okay. if your mind hasn't right. popped multiple times, this is where it's really going to blow. <sighs> so again, Arthur Lee Allen is is the next suspect. So. It starts with Robert Graysmith, a political cartoonist from the San Francisco Chronicle. He wrote a book called Zodiac, painting a man named Arthur Lee Allen as the killer. I should note, because we referenced the movie, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is the one who plays Robert Graysmith. And so that movie kind of follows his story. Now, while a police officer was investigating the Lake Berryessa murder, he met Allen outside of an elementary school. Allen told the officer that he was scuba diving at Salt Point State Park 
the day of the attack. And he told his family, Alan told his family that he was actually planning to go to Lake Berryessa that day, so he's continuing to build on his alibi. Now, what's odd though, is that his family claims that when he returned from that trip, he was covered in blood and actually had a bloody knife with him. No. Now, as a small aside, maybe the guy went fishing and he caught the world's largest uh, catfish. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, but yeah, scuba diving comes back home covered in blood with a bloody knife. It's also worth noting that Alan was dishonorably discharged from the Navy and was also fired from his job as an elementary teacher for sexual misconduct with what? a child. Whoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Donald Cheney, who was a friend of Alan's, told police, I just have to take a breath for this one, told police as early as 1969 that Alan called himself Zodiac. Alan no. also told Cheney that he wanted to kill people. No, what? Yeah. In an interview with police, he said his favorite book, can you just guess what his favorite book was? The Most Dangerous Game, the book referenced in the Zodiac's first cipher. In the cipher, not just a letter, not just something super out there, in the cipher. He owned a Zodiac brand watch and the same brand of typewriter that the Zodiac used in some of his letters. The watch itself supposedly had the same symbol on it that the Zodiac killer used to signify themselves, Come to sign on. their notes. And Michael Majot, the victim who survived the attack at Blue Rock Springs. And I think you would agree that of all of the cases, this is probably one of the ones that I would most strongly agree is absolutely the Zodiac. The Zodiac we're all focused on, the Zodiac that's sending these ciphers, etc. This is the guy. If you had any qualms about the other ones having loose ends or whatever, mm -hmm. I, would, I would wager that this is one of the two that is definitely this guy. So anyway, that aside, Michael Majot, Blue Rock Springs, that incident, he saw the Zodiac himself. He's the one who gave the, the description at the time. He was given a lineup of suspects in 1991, many, many years later. And you, can you guess who he guessed or who he chose in that lineup? Alan. And with this information, the police were then able to go and search Alan's home again. And they found a, ooh, a whole lot of stuff, Fredo. What? They found formulas for bombs. They found homemade bombs, and they found tapes of the Zodiac Killer. Uh, I, would, I would assume this means news reports of the Zodiac Killer. Now, if you recall, in one of his letters to newspapers, he had given diagrams of bombs. He talked about bombing, uh, or I don't know if he specifically said bombing the kid's bus, but he talked about a kid's school bus, and he talked about, you, you know, using these bombs. Right. And he's an elementary school teacher with bombs in his house. That is, so how is this not a... How is it not clear cut? You got me. What are we waiting for here? What are we waiting for? So one more piece. After 1991 and that police lineup, after him being identified by Michael Majot, Alan was found dead in 1992 <gasps> of a suspected heart attack. Now, the reason why this case is still open and the reason why this is so frustrating is because to me, I'm full in on this Arthur Lee Allen guy. But Lawrence Kane also has a lot of really suspicious material around him. But the reason why Allen was not 
kind of verified is because the DNA samples did not line up. The fingerprints did not line up, and Alan's handwriting did not match that of the Zodiacs. Furthermore, he did not match the police sketch. And so, okay, before I, before I try to do my brilliant, beautiful mind trick, all of the evidence pointing to Alan has been considered circumstantial, which I'm calling fooey. I want to flip my desk. <laughs> I want to scream at the SFPD. Right. I'm, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> that's, what what gonna, uh, that's what I'm going to do. But this is where, and I was very openly laying my breadcrumbs. This is where I want to start stitching together my theory. And I would love to hear your thoughts looking back on all these suspects and all the evidence and this, right. that, and the other. But my thinking is that Arthur Lee Allen absolutely is this guy. Uh, that he's the one writing the ciphers. He's the one at the core of this this whole crime, all of these crimes, this whole messy situation. Now, Lawrence Kane is a secondary player. In oh. what way? I don't know. But he could be, uh, man, I don't know if he's taken interns or like an understudy. Right. Or if he's an admirer of, uh, of what's going on. Or if he's just an unfortunate bystander that, I say unfortunate, this dude's definitely up to some criminal activity because of uh, his proximity to these other crimes. But you can, if you really write everything down on paper between these two individuals, you can actually start drawing a line that makes sense between separating Lawrence Kane and Alan. This whole thing with Donna Lass and the disappearance could be totally separate. Um, the whole thing with, the, with Kathleen Johns uh, and being in the car, you know, Zodiac didn't claim that until it was mm -hmm. public knowledge. So he could have been doing, yes, this Lawrence Kane could have been a secondary player that was directly involved, or Alan is activating another murderer or several murderers out there and using their stories to really try to mess up all the evidence. To just throw all the eggs in the basket, if you pick up all the San Francisco activity and you tell the police, I've done this 37 times, but they can only track you down five times, you're just trying to really blow it out of proportion. You're trying to say, yeah. I've done all of this. Yeah. I did that. I did that. Oh, I did that that ride over there with the woman and the baby. All of it's mine. You just give them too much to look at and, and you can't draw a clear line. And so you really muddy the waters. I didn't even think about, right, like different descriptions, different handwriting. And mm -hmm. it's just like, I didn't even think about it being multiple people, possibly. Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't know if that's by design that it's multiple people or oh. if this guy grew a goatee and got contacts in order to change his look. Yeah. Because he, he, he definitely matches the heavier set. Uh, he's definitely um, a bigger guy, but he doesn't match the sketch. Right. It's at like least from the pictures we can see. Uh, lines up one way, doesn't line up another way. I didn't even think about it just being multiple people. Mm -hmm. But also think about this. The fingerprints. I don't know exactly where these fingerprints were picked up from. I don't know if they can be verified. The DNA on the back of the stamp, I don't know if you can confirm that as being from the Zodiac. Uh, he could have an all number of ignorant people licking it. It could be a dog for all I know. I don't really like licking envelopes, so what I do, if I have to do that, I'll run my <laughs> finger under the water. So there's a lot of ways to put a stamp on an envelope and not yeah. have your DNA present. And the handwriting thing, let's be honest, you can fudge it. You can really change your handwriting if you need to. Oh, man. And then when it comes to the police sketch, this is where I beautiful mind it. Uh, the police sketch came 
from the taxi situation, right? And mm-hmm. from the witnesses there, not the other ones, the ones that I would again say I'm much more personally confident in right. being that, Zodiac activity. Right. Not that this taxi wasn't, but again, it could be the Zodiac claiming that. It could be a person that had a very loose descriptor that matched them. Just trying to throw everybody for a loop, you know? Yeah. Oh, that murder, that was me. Yeah, and if the description, if the police sketch was based on a scenario that he claimed was him but wasn't him, then it doesn't matter if he doesn't match the police description uh, or, or sketch because it wouldn't be him. It would definitely be someone worth catching, clearly, but maybe not this guy. And so that's where, the, I mean, the, the conspiracy theorist in me, my tinfoil hat starts to really uh, shine, I guess. I don't know. And that's what becomes so mind-boggling about this and so frustrating because you're like, God, listen to all of this. No one just kicking around with a bomb in their house and being like, yeah, I'm a good yeah, guy. Yeah, lock it down. Oh, but I mean, not that it even matters. The person passed away. Right. Also, right, all this going on, big old, you know, serial killer running around and whatnot. Um and I, I bet you there are people out there that are thinking this is the perfect time to, to, for me to go kill. Yeah. Yeah, you see it all the time with like these, uh, these classic ones, right? You have copycats. You have people that are inspired by it or maybe try to hide behind it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this one just has a frustratingly open conclusion because, because I know we, we talk about this in a lot of episodes, but man... You get, you feel like you get so close. You feel like you just get right to the threshold of solution. We get so far, man. And And then the, yeah. And then it just shoots far away. Yeah. And, and, and just like the police were taunted, we were taunted. Yeah. The whole world was taunted. And I feel like this guy doesn't deserve to get away from, I mean, obviously no one deserves to get away with this, but I mean, from a cleverness standpoint, this guy got so lucky by the mishaps of the police here and there and like and like this random cipher like ah man i don't know i don't i don't like the idea of of giving cleverness credit to someone Mm -hmm. who's so terrible you know what i mean yep 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 and it's so frustrating to to have somebody who's so egotistical so self-centered and and absorbed in their own criminal activity that they're bragging about it and taunting and threatening and then still get away from it it's terrifying, man. Yeah, and quite possibly took it to their grave. Yeah. I, I don't have it in my notes, and I know we're through the suspects, but there was definitely a correlation, I believe, between one of these suspects going to prison and the discontinuation of the Zodiac letters. I think off the top of my head, the last letter came in in 1974, and that lined up exactly with one of these suspects going to prison. And whether they were away for a few years, I think it was like a couple of years, I think that was kind of the, well, if I start coming back, if I'm out of prison and I start doing the same old, same old again, then yeah, they're going to figure it out. If, if Spider-Man shows up in Paris and, and, <laughs> yeah. and Peter Parker's in Paris, you're going to, you know, figure yeah. out. You're put two and two uh, together. Yeah. And so I feel like that was like, all right, I did my thing. I don't want to get caught. I got far enough. I'm just going to cruise now. <laughs> Ooh. Dang. What are your feels? What are your thoughts? How do you feel about my my little uh, combo theory between the suspects? I dig it, man. I could subscribe to that. Um, it's a little wild because it's very we had wild. So much in terms of like 
so much tangible evidence. And then we talk about this a lot, and especially from my point of view, how I like having tangible evidence, like mm-hmm. that kind of what cements a lot of theories for me. But I didn't think about it being so muddied up like this, right? Where we have so much of like, this is tangible, that's tangible, that tangible, but these don't line up. Like they're not connecting with each other. They're not making sense with each other. Yeah, We have so much, but yet so little all at the same time. I can see why this is such, this is such a classic case. Yeah. Because you can get so far into it and then it just bottoms out on you. Right. And let me go ahead and just complicate it further. Because and, and to illustrate further why this is so, so nebulous, despite it feeling so straightforward. The reason why I mentioned the character number for each of these suspects, these three in particular, is because of Z13. Right. He's saying, this is my name. I bet you it will translate to gotcha, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Because he's been lying. But here's the thing. Sure. Earl Von Best Jr. has 13 letters. We can take it for face value. This liar, this murderer, we can take it and say, well, it matches. It must be. Maybe it's him. Or you can take a look at his his patterns. And this is why it's so frustrating. You can look at his patterns (laughs) with misspelling. For example, until had an extra L at the end, taking it from five to six letters, U-N-T-I-L-L. So, or there's letter, or there's words that skip an extra, they, like guide. He had the word G-U-I-D-E. He took the I out or, or something, or cruise. Sorry, he took the I out of cruise. And so the character, you can't trust the character number in this no, case. And that makes this so much more just, ah, I'm, I'm visually frustrated. Lawrence Kane being 12 characters and Arthur Lee Allen being 14 characters, having both of them be one character off does not <laughs> remove them from being a suspect. Allen, for example, no, has two L's. One L could be ta- taken off in the code and there's your 13. Lee has two E's. One of those could be taken out. You, you could take, I don't know, man. And Lawrence Kane, for example, could have two A's in Kane and you'll still know it's Kane. You could take, you could put an extra... W in Lawrence, and uh, and it's still Lawrence, but it gives you that extra character to hit thirteen. It's just so frustrating. Yeah, you can't just mark them off like that. Yeah, and I and I truly hope you know I I don't want to be so conspiracy theory that I like <laughs> I start like thinking it's aliens or something that I try to really open it up so much. But but I'm just trying to illustrate why I'm sure it was just endlessly frustrating as an investigator looking at this case. And trying to figure things out, especially, you know, as a writer, you know, Robert Graysmith coming across all this information that lined up so beautifully with mm-hmm. Alan here, only for the police to say, no, nah, nah, circumstantial, nah. you know, not enough, not enough, circumstantial. Wow. I don't know, man. I'm, <sighs> I'm hopeful that this, uh, this, this cracking of 340 will enable us to someday within our lifetimes, figure out Z13 mathematically very difficult. Would it be worse if it was cracked and it was just a big, just like big F you? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a huge just tease in the face. What if it was just a phone number and it was like one eight hundred collect calls or something? Yeah. <laughs> this is a complete joke. Oh uh, maybe 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 I don't know, man. I don't I just don't know. I don't know if I could take the middle finger. <laughs> I just don't know if I could. If if I had to rate this on our typical scale, right, one being unbelievable, don't like the theory, 10 being that's it, that's the solution, we figured it out, I'm eking myself in my own mind, like Alan alone, 
I'm convinced. But I think that there's something dodgy with Kane in there that's muddying the waters. Yeah. Both two yeah. heinous people. And we got involved somehow, some way. Yeah, I'm thinking there's a combo there of some sort. And that's where I'm going to put like a, like an eight and a half, man. Maybe a nine. I'm going hard on this Zodiac case that's supposed to be unsolved. Eight and a half, maybe a nine. I can go. That's me. I can go that's eight. me. I can go eight on this. I don't want to drag you up. I don't, you know. No, you dude. You sit where you're comfortable. No, man. You convinced <laughs> me. You convinced me. Oh, man. I, and it, it, was, it was kind of like, you know, we do a lot of research for these episodes. And it was kind of like as I was reading through this outline and going through the research mm-hmm. that Christian and now Jillian we have on the team uh, put together, that I, I was kind of construing this like this beautiful mind theory, kind of melding these together. And it was almost like, gratifying to to when I started looking myself doing the research that some of the theories do try to attempt to put these two together in some way that there is, yeah. you know, a copycat, uh, an understudy, if you want to call it that even, um, right. or, or he's using him to obfuscate things. He's just another criminal. Uh, and it's, um, it's, it's compelling. It really is, but deeply, deeply unsettling mystery for sure. <sighs> so much known yet. So little, Oh, mm-hmm. these can, cons- these these murder mysteries and conspiracies and oh. <laughs> what a way to end the year, huh? With a zodiac solve, not a, not, not the mystery, oh! but a cipher. Yo, who who on uh, twenty twenty bingo had zodiac yeah. in December? <laughs> like, come yeah, on, man. this year yeah. is nuts. What a, what a way to end it. Mm-hmm. What a way to close out the year. We're closing out that year, man. And uh, thank you so much for the continued support and the uh, the outpouring of the love, the reviews, the sharing with your friends truly means the most to us. I know this isn't the most spooky time of year, but we appreciate you keeping it spooky with us. Definitely. Um, <laughs> means a I lot. Hope, it helps out a yeah. lot. Yeah. But I hope you guys have a cheerful holiday season, however you celebrate, with, ever you ce- with whoever you celebrate with. You know, it's an awkward year. But uh, but I wish you all the very best of New Year's. And with that said, and with the last mystery of the year, we'll see you next year, next Monday, for another mystery. Yeah, we will. Yeah.